and welcome to episode 195, all about the women of Tolkien, being the 195th part of That's What I'm Tolkien About. My name is Mary Clay. If that's too complicated for you, just call me MC. I've been experiencing the world of Tolkien for the first time, and right now I'm doing whatever I want to, including a special episode dedicated to the lovely ladies of Middle-earth slash Arda, I guess, depending on how far back in time you want to go. This week, like I said, is a special episode because I'm joined not just by one person, not two people, but four very special guests. And I wanted to make it special. And so I had them tell me about their favorite women of Tolkien. And I thought that would just be more fun. It's always just exciting and fun to hear people talk about the things that they are enthusiastic about. So that is how I put together this episode. Obviously, there are so many characters in the Tolkien legendarium. And we joke a lot about the lack of female representation, but there are still a lot of really wonderful women characters to talk about. And we're not going to be able to talk about all of them because we would be here for days and days and days. And as lovely as that is, you know, I have to eat sometimes. And and some of you guys have children to take care of and we have jobs to go to. So this is what I came up with. And I was really excited to work on it. So thanks for letting me take last week off. By the way, I appreciated that so much. It was great to get to focus on this and put this together. And so without further ado, let's jump into it and hear it from our first guest, Delia of Black Nerds Create. And joining me to talk about a character I've already forgotten that she told me she was going to (laughs) do is Delia from Black Girls Create. No, not Black Girls Create anymore. Black Nerds Create. Correct. Black Nerds Create. And she's here to talk about a wonderful woman of the (laughs) Tolkien world. I could just change it last minute on you. You wouldn't even know. (laughs) You really like I I kind of wanted to forget because I just want to hear people like tell me exciting things. I kind of like I kind of wanted to be completely surprised. And then I was like, no, I need to plan some things. So well, this is even more exciting. I was already excited. Uh, No, I remembered who you I just remembered who you picked now. Probably because I I explicitly (laughs) very much love this character. (laughs) Very aggressively. uh, Not unfortunately, I don't make apologies. Anyways, hi, everyone. Uh, I'm and Today, I want to talk about Galadriel. Yay! <laughs> Yay! And the crowd went wild, as you should. She deserves it. Yes, absolutely. With, with Galadriel, we get into some interesting territory because obviously we have some new Galadriel material from the Rings of Power show. Uh, when I reached out to all of the guests who will be appearing on this episode, I said, please stick to a a, a, f- a female character that Tolkien created. So people like... Bronwyn and Nori were not up for grabs, but Galadriel obviously is like the OG, I I feel like, Uh, maybe besides Luthien. I mean, quite literally, she's very old, so. (laughs) Older, yes, older, wait, no. Yeah, older than Luthien. Mm -hmm. Luthien's, I'm trying to do family trees in my head. It's not working out. It's fine. (laughs) But Rings of Power has brought some interesting dynamics to Galadriel. We've seen a lot of different versions of her I guess from the Silmarillion up through the beautiful portrayal by Kate Blanchett as well. Uh, queen. Absolutely iconic. So 
Delia, why don't you tell me why when I said, hey, can you come on and talk about a female character? What immediately made you be like Galadriel? Well, immediately she's one of my favorites. There are a few uh, female characters in Tolkien that I do really like. But Galadriel is, I mean, quite literally my queen. I... (laughs) won't say I worship the ground she walks on, but how Gimli feels about Galadriel is how I feel about Galadriel. You can say it. (laughs) I absolutely do. I think she can do no wrong. Uh, I would love, I mean, it's not going to happen, but I would literally, what am I trying to say? I would love for Tolkien to still be alive and have written a fully fleshed out, consistent Galadriel story because Mm -hmm. his works on Galadriel are not the most consistent. Um, which is fine. Things change. He's changed his mind a couple of times. So we kind of have to suss out for ourselves what we think is canon, I think, when it comes to Gladriel. But I mean, would he have written her well? That's a good question. But still, I want the story. I want the tea. Yes, that's a good point that uh, that I don't think I've ever thought about too much is that there are a lot of different uh, iterations of Gladriel. And like, sometimes we don't know. Sometimes she's like this almighty all-knowing person and then other times she's like a more down-to-earth like when you look at her family um because remember she is one of the is she the only girl no there's like one other girl of like all the cousins of the sons of Feanor Mm -hmm. right that's some interesting dynamics that she was mixed up in getting over to middle earth that's why I think it's so confusing to me when people who really you know are into Tolkien's works, like they've read the books, they've read uh, like the extended lore, let's say. When they say her portrayal in Rings of Power is not believable, like, yes, I know there are quite literal like inconsistencies, like as far as like dates and things like that. I'm not talking about that. But when they're talking about she wouldn't be wearing armor like that, she wouldn't be. I just, how? How do you think that? Because just look at her background, how I, it's completely believable to me that she would have been out here in some capacity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So what are some of your favorite, I don't know, like highlights of Galat? Like we said, she's been around for a while, right? She's She's been around like since the beginning. Right. What are some of your like favorite, I don't know, Galadriel moments in time? I have so many. I will condense them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I'll start at the most recent, quote unquote. You can uh, start however you want. I'm here to listen. <laughs> Um, with Gimli, I love Galadriel with Gimli because I feel like that it speaks to everything we need to know about her as a character. Mind you, by this time, she's already passed the test, as it were. But the fact that she, as not just any elf, right? She is one of the Noldor. She came from Amon. She is Lady of Lothlorien. Um, I think it's very profound that she doesn't discriminate against dwarves basically that sounds so (laughs) basic when i say it like that but it's like like, congratulations galadriel you're not racist like the rest of your forefathers (laughs) right it sounds so basic when i say it like that but it really is i know i know yeah such a big deal that she well yeah it's a huge testament to how much has happened like lit like literal history mm-hmm. has happened between these two races of people um and how and how complicated that can be and it much like in real life you need those leaders of groups of people to be the ones to step up and be like no we're going to treat each other with respect and kindness and changes gimli's heart in the process too because he's never been received with such respect and kindness by again 
any elf, really, much less uh, like Galadriel. the elf. Right, exactly. Yeah. One of the greatest elves in Tolkien's Legendarium. I think it's very moving because also she understands his grief at seeing um, Moria the way it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people or i'm sorry more most elves specifically would not because they don't go to casa doom galadriel's been to casa doom like they don't go underground because that's not elves are about the air and the trees and rocks are icky and gross and dwarves are icky and gross um so that's definitely a key key moment to me that i mean i already liked her a lot but i really feel like that's the core of who she is i feel like among Mm. uh elf kind she is more open-minded i would say and she thinks out of the box i would also say it's not really a moment a favorite thing about her kind of a moment is that she is always has always peeped what sauron was up to like she has never ever been taken in by him and not to say that's people's fault but anatar comes to the elves and she rejects him because she is incredibly insightful that's part of her character is how insightful she is she can see into people's minds um but the reason she's so she's able to reject him is because he claims i'm pretty sure i I think he claims that he had learned under aule and she being a null of the noldor also learned under Alan. She said, you you weren't there. And I just hmm, feel like yeah. that. I just said attendance and I don't think you were there. I don't think you were present. I don't present. think you were there actually. That's interesting. So her insight on top of her just being genuinely open-minded is like one of my favorite characteristics of hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like worth worth noting a little disclaimer that of course that is very different from what happens in Rings of Power. Yes which I like to view as a completely separate thing because mm-hmm. of how much of a simp I am for for Halbrand and and for that you know enemies to lovers oh, so to good. enemy to to lover enemies that could have been if it was not Tolkien I what if if it like wasn't meant to be a Tolkien story mm-hmm. I would have been like they should obviously be obviously. evil king and queen together obviously like, duh. I think it, see there here's the thing if I'm pretty sure the last episode I was on were, was for Rings of Power and I'm sure we gushed about this because I am very much when oh absolutely yes. I 100% am about this I'm about Halbrand and Galadriel she should have turned evil I'm sorry she yes. should have should have been evil yes <laughs> I would have supported her because she's my queen regardless um however i do think it's interesting because i see what they're trying to do and i get people being upset but i see the path that they're trying to go down because again i don't know exactly what works they have access to as far as like the copyright and stuff so i can't say where they're pulling better tolkien experts than me could probably tell but we know that sauron considered her his equal which is also why i stand because hello Um, she's the only one he considered his equal. So I do feel like knowing that fact without any explanation does beg the question, how, why? Because we don't see them interact. We presume they interacted because they were running in the same circles around this time, but we they didn't ever directly interact. So I think mm-hmm. creating this delicious potential enemies to lovers with this tension is a great way to do it. Yes. And I think um, J.R.R. Tolkien was a coward to do it himself. It takes bravery. Yeah. <laughs> I I 100% when I say I love Galadriel I mean the Tolkien canon but also Rings of Power like y'all can just you're just gonna have to fight me about it I don't care yeah I so much enjoyed that depiction of her because I think it's I've kind of gotten in a lot of internet fights about this very nuanced topic that I've called this powerful woman fallacy Mm -hmm. where 
pieces of media will create a will create like one powerful like in the Avengers Black Widow, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, you can't get mad about a lack of representation because you have like, oh, my God, Black Widow. So isn't she cool? She's hanging out with the boys and she's strong and powerful and she's independent and she can take care of herself. And it's like, that's cool and all, but there's also a lot of other sides to being a woman mm-hmm. and being able to see all those different, you know, sides of a of a coin or, you know, a dice or whatever mm-hmm. be played out. And so that's what I really liked about Rings of Power's depiction of Galadriel is you see a lot more complication to her mm-hmm. than a lot of like, it's so easy for us to be like Kate Cam- Blanchett, Galadriel, absolute perfection, worship the ground she walks on, mm-hmm. you know? But like, it's it's more compelling to see someone who is feisty and angry and has to learn how to like hone that in. Someone who is like really clever and has to like put the pieces together themselves and someone who is going to fall and make mistakes mm-hmm. and maybe accidentally make out with the Dark Lord, you know? <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> Yeah, I love her depiction because of the nuance. Again, that if, even if even if you love Tolkien's works, we've got to all admit there's not a lot of nuance for the female yes. characters of his work. So getting to see that fleshed out, even if it's not in a perfect way, even if there's imperfections, yes. as, especially as far as how it lines up with the lore, I would much rather take the nuanced character development and leave some of the lore personally, as long as it doesn't, you know, you know, threaten the integrity of the whole, then, you know, have it completely faithful. But then we that also means we get these kind of, you know, one note characters. And again, why I love Galadriel so much, even in Tolkien's work, is he leaves a lot for you to imagine with the little bits that he gives us. But if you were just to take the little bits he gives us, there's not that much going on. Mm-hmm. He hints at a, a very fleshed out character, I think, but he doesn't write her. So uh, that's that's my take on it. And I do think she's yeah. powerful. And that's what makes mm-hmm. her so compelling to me. And I'm so intrigued with the enemies to lovers, not to keep bringing it back there. But (laughs) the thing is, why I find her so compelling as a character, even in Tolkien's work, is even within that work, her whole arc is this desire for power and her pride. These are two things that we do know about her. Uh, Like, she's so prideful. She continues on east she leaves Amon despite everything saying like you should just go with your dad back to Amon and stay there and she's too prideful to do that she crosses hell Caraxes. i don't know if i'm saying that properly but the yeah the icy ice North. bridge yeah thing. the ice bridge yeah. um and continues on and that's kind of her whole thing she's too prideful to turn back um to the point where she does get banned from uh, Valinor and she's like, whoops, uh, whoops, I didn't want to go anyway, so it's fine. Um, and then again, her desire for power. And that's what she's talking about when she says she passes the test in the iconic scene, uh, both in the books, but especially in Kate Blanchett's uh, yes. adaptation. Uh, that's what she means. She passed the test because she's finally come face to face with the power that she so craved internally and she rejects it and that's also what we're seeing in rings of power that sauron is offering her and in rings of power specifically i think she should have taken him up on the offer oh god yeah yeah <laughs> i mean we all would have yeah i absolutely would have uh but i failed the test but yeah that's okay. <laughs> i failed the test multiple times over uh but i think that's what makes her very compelling uh because mm. we don't see anybody else get that kind of storyline of coming up 
to power and desiring it, not just the ring kind of leading them astray, but she has long desired it. She says that. She has always wanted to be the queen of a nation. Like that has, she's always desired that. And so, uh, yeah, I don't think there's a comparable character in Tolkien's work. And I, she's my queen because of it. <laughs> yes. Love it. Love it. Um, are there any particular, uh, are there any other like quotes or moments that you want to talk about, about, you know, on your long list of why Galadriel <laughs> is your favorite? Oh, there is another, when I read the, was it? No, that's not in the Silmarillion. Where is it where we learn about her hair? Yeah, I was also going to, I wasn't sure if you were going to bring that up or not, but it's the thing. I don't remember reading it in the Silmarillion, so I don't know where it happened, but obviously it was in some footnote of a letter or whatever that Tolkien right. wrote, because people reference this all the time about um, how Feanor asked for her hair and he Three told times. her, and she told him no, and then that's what makes it so impactful when Gimli does the same and she gives him which is it's just so it's really hilarious without any of the context uh because it's just like wow Gimli what a creep you asked for this girl's hair (laughs) I never understood it when I had only because again if you've not heard me on this as a guest before I saw the movies first and read the books much later uh but I didn't know that so even Girl, growing I read up the book it. I read the books first and I didn't know that is not, it's like not maybe I don't remember like maybe I glossed over that part but like I read it first and was like this is weird right yeah and then so, people had to explain this like backstory about how Feanor wanted her hair and mm-hmm. she told him no and then Gimli is, is the first you know dwarf to do we think does he know about that story when he asked or was he just like, whoa, your hair is beautiful. Can I have some? I don't know because so the thing is, you know, it's believed that it's not actually I don't think it's actually but it's almost as if her hair shines with the light of the trees, the two trees, because it's got silver and gold to it. And that's what makes it so beautiful. But doesn't Gimli say, I should have pulled the quote, but he says something to the uh, the effect of like, it's more beautiful than the gold of the mountain and more shines brighter than the silver of the moon or something like that. He says something to that effect. And so when I read that, I'm like, does that mean... Is there like dwarf lore about this hair or the Silmarils? Like, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know that he knows, but I think because he's a dwarf, he can recognize like that type of beauty. That's how I take it Um, and knows that it's that precious. And so, yeah, and I think it's very significant. She's making a huge statement when she gives him three pieces of her hair, knowing she rejected Feanor three times. And I think she even says nobody has asked of me something so, I don't know the words, but basically impertinent, but so well like she talks about how Gimli is well spoken for a dwarf and I just I love that scene and I love her and what gift would a dwarf ask of the elves nothing except to look upon the lady of the Galadrim one last time for she is more fair than all the jewels beneath the earth <laughs> no. No. actually uh there was one thing. Uh, uh, oh, henceforth I will call nothing fair unless it be her gift to me. What was her gift? I asked her for one hair from her golden head. She gave me three. My favorite quote is obviously, or maybe not obviously, I don't know what y'all be liking, but. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, my favorite quote is when she 
is passing the test uh, when mm-hmm. Frodo offers her the ring. And she says, I did write it down. And now at last it comes. You will give me the ring freely. In place of the Dark Lord, you will set up a queen. And I shall not be dark, but beautiful and terrible as the morning and the night. Fair as the sea and the sun and the snow upon the mountain. Dreadful as the storm and the lightning. Stronger than the foundations of the earth. All shall love me and despair. And that's the book quote. And it goes hard. But then you got Kate Blanchett coming in. Of a dark lord, you would have a queen! Not dark, but beautiful and terrible as the lord! Treacherous as the sea! Stronger than the foundations of the earth! All shall love me and despair! I stand. That's it. I would love her and despair. It's fine. I'm fine yeah. with it. <laughs> yeah. It's really it that that scene has always caught me off guard because I'm like, so instead of uh Sauron as our dark lord, you would be our lord. I'm okay with that. Right. Like what like I'm okay with that, girl. <laughs> That's fine. That's a better case scenario, I'm pretty sure. Like I know But obviously she is more wise and she is more knowing and understanding of what this would turn into mm-hmm. and you know we j- we're joking about it but like we'd be fine with you ruling over us but like she is seeing herself become this like almighty powerful queen who is you know i don't know r- ruling with an iron fist or you know so to speak and right she sees what it would actually become and that's why she's like no, no, Frodo, you cute little hobbit, you'd keep that ring. Despite how much she's desired it, she says no to it. And that's why she's able to go to the West and diminish. Yes. One of my uh, favorite Galadriel quotes, uh, which is, um, I will diminish and go into the West, which is just what I say whenever I I need an exit from a situation, whenever something's awkward, when I say a joke and it doesn't land, just I will diminish and go into the West and (laughs) then just... (laughs) Fade into existence. That's what I say when I'm feeling real tired. I'm like, I will not diminish and go into the West. Yeah, <laughs> It's a good yep. quote. She has great quotes also in general throughout the stories. Mm-hmm. So I would highly recommend people dig into it. But also if you watch the movies, you know, she the whole intro to the series is done by Galadriel. Another quote of hers that I just remember sticking out watching Rings of Power mm-hmm. She says, there is a tempest in me. I didn't even think to grab Rings of Power quotes you know, because that you know, one. It's okay. That but one. like I, I don't think they meant – there are a lot of things that I don't necessarily know that the writers meant to be, you know, like, like we recognize that it's not J.R.R. Tolkien writing the scripts, you know? So like I'm not – combing through it being like this is beautiful literature you know whatever Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I just remember that part happening and being like just just the the validity of finally seeing like a compelling female character and watching her express a variety of emotions and being like there is a because I I can't exactly remember the context of the scene but they were definitely talking about like the storm that brought Halbrand and her like together and then to Numenor um 
She says, there is a tempest in me and recognizing that like there's this power inside of me. There is something inside of me brewing Mm -hmm. and storming and we have to do something. I have to let it out somehow. And like we got to do something. I got to, you know, I have to I have to like take charge and do something. It is such a good quote. When she said it, I lost my mind. And even you saying it again gave me chills. It's such a good moment. It's so solid. Um, I don't know that it overtakes my absolute favorite quote, as I said Mm -hmm. before, but it definitely rose the ranks. It's just a very, very simple but uh, effective moment. It's also how Morphid uh, delivers it. It's so, so good. Love her. Love Kate Blanchett. Love. Tolkien, I guess, for writing Galadriel in the first place. Ugh, I guess we'll give him. I guess we'll give him one. some props. Delia, thank you so much for coming on to chat about our favorite homegirl, Galadriel. What are you working on right now, and where can people find you on the internet? Because I, I know you have some exciting things happening. I do have some th- exciting things happening. Um, I have a new podcast. If people are interested, it's called Culture by Culture. Uh, It's a multidimensional exploration into Black and Asian pop cultural ties. I'm super duper stoked for it. Uh, I hope you guys check it out. You can find it at culturexpodcast.com or follow me at culturexpodcast. Um, Or not me, the podcast. I'm at Delia is typing. So (laughs) uh, you can find me there. And also there's BNC. You know where they're at. We've been homies for a long time. Would you like to give Bayana a special shout out? I would. Uh, shout out to Bayana, who will be on and standing. Who is she standing? I forget. I think she's doing Luthien. That's right. Shout out to Bayana, who will be standing Luthien. Also a solid choice. She is everything. She is the moment. I can't wait for the energy. And honestly, if we can work in the enemies to lovers in the episode, let's do it. I don't know how y'all can circle to it, but y'all should circle to it. <laughs> See, that's hard because Luthien and Baron and Luthien, they lock eyes and immediately are in love. So there's no enemies to lovers there. Maybe y'all can talk about how it's a great love story. Do you want to know what's also a great love story? <laughs> <laughs> the potential between Halbrand and Galadriel. Yes. <laughs> All right. And now we are joined by Bayana from Black Nerds Create. We just finished chatting with Delia uh, back in time uh, in the time of I don't know podcasting uh, and now Bayana is joining us to talk about her favorite woman of Tolkien and that would be Luthien yes what her. a classic She's so what great. a classic I'm really glad that when I was reaching out to people I was like oh no what if like everyone picks like all the super obscure women and <laughs> in the Silmarillion and then I'm gonna have to like I can't leave out all of the major women and then I'm going to have to cover Luthien. And this is one that kind of intimidates me because she's so like legendary yeah. when it comes to Tolkien's works, you know? Yeah. I only kind of remembered her in the context of like when they mentioned her in Lord of the Rings um, before I read the Silmarillion. Mm-hmm. And so all I remembered about her was like, oh, she gave up her immortality for a man. Um, <laughs> and when yeah, I actually what? read Baron and Luthien, <laughs> I was like, why is that all you tell me about her? Like, she's amazing. So yeah, I'm I'm excited. Yes. So when I reached out to y'all and I said, who would you like to talk about? And you picked Luthien. Like what would like what's your first like gut instinct or whatever about about why you chose Luthien? Um, I think, well, like I'm a I read a lot of fantasy. I read a lot of books. I read a lot of fantasy in particular. Baron and Luthien has a lot of like just elements of that story or a lot of things that I gravitate to just in general, um, and really like. And I felt like 
Well, one, I knew Delia was going to do Galadriel, so I was like, I don't need to. <laughs> we kind of let her we have We don't that have one. to fight for it. It's really okay. I, feel I was like a little nervous. I was like, oh, no, is everyone that I reach out to going to be like, can I do Eowyn? And then I have to, like, pick and choose. Right. And, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I knew she was going to do Galadriel, and I feel like she should. Um, so... Luthien was just like my second choice. Like I, I had, other, you know, like if if that wasn't available, I could have chose someone else because I feel like all the women have really interesting stories. Or if there's not enough, like it's cool to like think about and talk about. Um, but yeah, I just remember like when I read the, the like that part of the Silmarillion, I was just like, no, she's great. Like she, <laughs> she's doing all the things that I love in a fantasy heroine. So that's like, yeah. That's awesome. Yes, definitely. Why don't you go ahead and start telling us like what are some of your uh, what's like a favorite some favorite moments of of Luthien? Um, what it's like what stands out to you about her story? Yeah. Um, okay, so the first part when our Black Nerds Create community when we were reading the Silmarillion, we did like a group read. Um, I guess that was last year. Um, we were talking about how like she gets it from her mama. So there's like Melian, who is also great there's this whole like part where they talk about how um elway meets her and just is like or first doesn't even meet her like hears her and then is like frozen Mm -hmm. in awe for years before he meets her and then he meets her and he just like stares at her for you and like elway is like supposed to be leading all of these elves to yes um, he fully ditches he them completely leaves um, them in I, as i've said he's <laughs> never heard of the phrase uh bros before hoes. no he never ditches he, everyone his whole job to hang out with this girl in the woods completely forgot about it and that's like her power you know and so a similar thing happens when baron comes upon luthien that's so true i've Doriath. never thought about like, that <laughs> i like reading it i was like oh no like this is literally the, like not exactly the same like he's not frozen for years he's really on his own so he's it's not like he has responsibilities in the same way. Um, but like when he sees her, he's just like in this trance and is like kind of like, no, this is this is the one like this is the girl for me. And I'm like, it, he's completely like enamored with her. And so like she's just a, she's a baddie. And I like first and foremost, that introduction, I was just like, yes, I love this. And then just kind of like, I think the other thing is like there again, there are a lot of like tropes in this which like you know this is was written when it was written and so some of those things and like you know there's something to be said that Tolkien was what he wrote was setting up a lot of tropes Mm -hmm. you know exactly he he was writing at the beginning stages you know or I mean not like the beginning stages because there are there's like such a long history when you look at the timeline of fantasy Mm -hmm. and like it you know it goes as far back as storytelling goes but like when Tolkien was writing all this he was establishing a lot of things that would that people would then go on to use as inspiration and be like oh I'm gonna make this you know inspired by or whatever or I'm gonna reference Tolkien and I'm gonna reference this great love story of Baron and Luthien Mm -hmm. exactly um and so in that though like there's like so when uh Luthien's dad, um, Thingol slash Elway, because that's what I called him yes. before. But he like is upset because Baron is a man, and like we don't do that here. Ugh, it's elves yeah. only. <laughs> and I so, get it. I get it. I completely understand. <laughs> and so he like being upset about this relationship, like 
sends Barry. He's like, you can't have her hand unless you bring me a Silmaril. And so sending him off on this quest and like, you know, as you're reading it, you're thinking like, okay, cool. We're about to follow Baron on this quest. And like, that's it. And Luthien's just going to sit gonna and wait and, and save her. Yeah, and, and it's a yeah. whole thing. And then like, but from jump, it just kind of like that. That's not how the story goes. She even has a moment where she's like, it's like a, kind of like a couple honestly like damsel in distress type moments where you think it's gonna go one way and then she saves herself um like when her dad locks her in a in the highest the the, the tallest tower like (laughs) thingle thingle gets up to some like toxic father yeah you know behavior yeah and And then she's like like, you want my daughter no no and locked in a tower literally and you're like bro relax but then she like does a rapunzel and like grows her hair super long and she doesn't like you know cast it down on the thing but like or i think she like makes a rope out of it and then she also makes this cloak that it's essentially like a cloak of invisibility um out of her hair and then she dips because she's like i'm gonna go save my my man and so i'm out (laughs) he's like bye also dealing with who is it kelligorm and karufin two of fan right i i forgot all about it that's like a little i reread it because i was like i need to i was like i remember like pieces but i was like i need to like just yeah these two honestly like the absolute worst. worst of like the the sons and cousins of Feanor, mm-hmm. you know, of that of that family. The absolute worst dude bros just being like, oh, looks like we found a woman. Right. And they like kidnap her, right? And then like send a ransom to her dad. <laughs> like yeah. it's whole it's just trash. But Lucy's like, don't she, worry, I got it. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I got this. I'm out. I'm gonna go like defeated Sauron. <laughs> like she had Honestly. she had she had her uh her like you know, her dog, um, who like, or like, he's a wolf hound, the unspoken I think. unspoken hero. Yeah. yeah. And he was great, too. And like, also, like, she was such a baddie that he was like, yeah, you can ride me. It's fine. Like, never, ever wanted. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, yes. So, so it's just like, she's, she's just giving this energy. So yeah, she defeats Sauron and then has him like fly away and then rescues Baron. They like take some time to, you know, be together or whatever and then they gotta go after Morgoth to get the Silmarils and she like sings Morgoth to sleep like yeah yeah so I'm just like she's on some other stuff so anyway yeah that's those are I guess the greatest hits of like <laughs> yes <laughs> all the reasons yeah, why those she's are some amazing. those are some really excellent hits yeah um yeah you're totally right that this is a uh like when, when you first hear about Baron and Luthien it I, I would say most people hear about it from the perspective of Aragorn and Aragorn is the one like telling this story mm-hmm. uh, to the hobbits at, when they like when they meet like pretty soon uh, is when he's like telling them this story. Who is she? This woman you sing of. Tis the lay of Luthien, the elf maiden who gave her love to Beren. Immortal. What happened to her? She died. I laugh so much at myself now because when this is happening in the book, it goes into like classic Tolkien, like long random oh poem. Oh my gosh. 
And at the time, I was like, this isn't important. Right. I'm just going to skip it. Honestly, same. (laughs) Now I'm like, maybe I should go back and actually read that. Yeah, whoops. And then, like, you know, it turns out that story was actually extremely important to the the heart and soul of who Aragorn is. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, yeah, you first hear about the story and you're like, oh, it's just going to be like a classic little love story. Like, oh, my God, this elf gave up her immortality for a man right. i would never never what is wrong with her and like it's interesting because like like you said like the way that aragorn like talks about it that's essentially it and obviously it's like you know par- supposed to be a parallel with like him and arwen and stuff and like so there's that but and I, but i also like think of like when you read the silmarillion you realize how messy the elves are and like, oh so to them, it's also like, it's not just so when Elrond is telling Aragorn, like all this stuff about like how he, he needs to be a king. He needs to do this. that, And then I'm like, bro, like your like grandfather, Come on. like murdered his entire people Come or on. something, you know, like it's just, it's, like, it's wild. So it's just like, it's also that like when you, it kind of shifts your perspective. Cause you're like, oh, they're also just like petty and, you know, like, you know, elitist and all that stuff. So yeah, of course, they would have this just huge story about like, the way that this, like, these two people literally, like, fought Morgoth and won. Um, But instead, we're gonna focus on the fact that like, she decided that she was gonna come back and live a mortal life. Also, she, she went to Mando, went to the Hall of Mandos and like, convinced him to bargain with him yeah, yeah. and he, it's like the only time he's ever done that he was like nah this is i'm not doing this again never thought to do it before and like actually gave her this choice and so like yeah it's so it's just interesting because there's so much more there yeah. and and yeah the elves there's so are much just more flatten it because they don't mm-hmm. they are like we're better than men even though history would really show not. that they're not mm. <laughs> Man, if there's if there's just like anything that I that I learned from from reading this all as much as I have completely forgotten, like yeah, my mind is a is a sieve when it comes to the Silmarillion, but uh, just learning so much about like who the elves really are and like mm-hmm. their past and stuff, and adding it into this like greater context of like how they are existing among the other peoples of Middle-earth and being like, oh, they're actually kind of the worst. Right. And they are committing these, like, crimes of humanity. <laughs> like, right. And then, like, uh, you know, once they're done, once it's like, oh, the time of elves is over, they're like, ugh, could you imagine fighting in wars? <laughs> You're just like, we would never. Please. Except for you did. <laughs> Lost and it the was whole swath terrible. of land. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Please. So what are, what's uh, a few traits about Luthien that are compelling to you? Um, I think her, like... What's the word? I guess maybe like tenacity is the word. The way I was thinking tenacity (laughs) and you said it. Yes, we're totally connected. Love it. Anyway, continue. Um, Yeah, I mean, she is not there. You know, there's also the moment where Baron does the classic like hero of the story. Like, no, I must go alone and, you know, stay Mm -hmm. and live and whatever, self-sacrificing, whatever. And she's like, no, um, like I'm gonna. I've already, we've already tied our fates together. Like I'm not about to just sit around. Yes, I remember and- this part of the story. Yeah, they're kind of like debating about what to do, and then the dog who can only speak like three times yeah. and then he dies is like, you know, is like, hey, I'm gonna step in here. You guys are both. You're cute, but you're a little, you're a little stupid right now because you're so intertwined. It doesn't matter like which way you go, like 
you're going to be, uh, you know, you're going to end up together in like some form or another, like whatever happens. Yeah, exactly. Your fates are intertwined. Yeah, exactly. So I think that also just, you know, being locked up by your dad, like having to deal with the sons of Fanor, like all of those things and like getting through that and never really like, like, you know, just seeing that through the, through to the end. I think that, um, I think, um... I mean, <laughs> I don't know if this is a personality trait per se, but I just feel like she would have the best fashion. She has like, she's, you know, best singing voice. She's like, you know, giving, uh, again, she's a baddie. I love that for her. She is, uh, she is the daughter of, um, Amaya, uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, like one of the high elves. And so that is, you know, like a very unique blend uh, of these two I don't know if like the Maiar are like a race or whatever but you know yeah. these like two like mystical people and I feel like that does give you some uh, uh, like form of like outward beauty you yeah. know and being like she's the coolest everything she does looks amazing right like flowers are growing as she walks through it, the it's forest like, like the, <laughs> it's like I saw I saw Luthien wearing camo a camo skirt and flip flops, so I wore a camo skirt exactly. and flip flops. <laughs> Literally that. <laughs> also, I feel like she could just like magically like weave together like leaves into like a a, a met uh, a met gala like style ball. Yes, gown. absolutely, a hundred percent. I feel like that's canon. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like those are like the two. Like the main two, yes, yeah. her tenacity and her fashion, and her fashion, and just her <laughs> like you know, her her like how she presents. I mean, it's not even just how she presents stuff; just like her innate like power. Yeah, yeah, and I think also worth noting that she, you know, we're like really hyping her up. She is a very like special person when it comes to like the existence in uh, Middle Earth because of like her her heritage between these two mm-hmm. people. Like she's a very special person. But she is also very, like, grounded and humble and graceful. Yeah. And she's not, you know, she could easily be, like, really obnoxious and arrogant and, you know, conceited. I mean, man, look at her dad. Like, (laughs) all of these opportunities. (laughs) Man, I, I feel like if I were to have asked myself to come on this podcast, I might have talked about Melian Mm -hmm. because... I think she's so she's super fascinating and there's so much that Tolkien doesn't tell us about her because a lot of times it says in like one sentence it's like and then Melian like whisper to herself oh my god my husband is an idiot you know like that kind of thing or like like Melian took him aside for counsel Mm -hmm. but he decided to not listen to her you know like those kinds of quick things and it's like she so anyway yeah Luthien has all of these things that could make a very awful like mean spirited person but obviously because of the way that she's able to convince Mandos to kind of like give both her and Baron this you know second chance at life together um he wouldn't have done that if she wasn't you know like a kind-hearted person mm-hmm. Bayana, thank you for coming on and chatting about the one and only Luthien please tell me and the listeners uh what are you working on where can people find you on the internet yeah uh, any exciting stuff coming up please share that um yeah so you can find me on uh twitter and instagram at yana wrote it um and then everything that black nerds create does at blk nerds create on twitter and then at black nerds create on 
Instagram, and Tumblr. Um, I am the co-host of the Wizard Team podcast, uh, where we discuss Black fantasy stories, um, and currently are wrapping up Amari and the Night Brothers, which is an amazing book. Um, so if you want to listen to that, listen to that, you can. Um, what else? Yeah, I feel like that's it. Again, if you, you know, blacknerdscreate.com is, you can find pretty much everything that we do it's a lot (laughs) it is a lot but it's a lot of really great stuff um especially I feel like y'all are good at touching a a variety of like nerdy corners of the internet yeah yeah there's something there for everyone to enjoy yeah there's some there's like seven of us on the team so we've all got like intersecting interests and like separate ones so we can kind of like get cover a lot I guess yeah that's awesome all right, and joining me now is Lauren of Lauren Does Cosplay. Welcome, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been it's been a minute, I think, since you've been I on. Know. I feel like it was it was probably for a Rings of Power episode. That sounds about about right from when I like had so many fun, yeah, amazing pro- people on. It, it was honestly probably like before it like way before it came Maybe out. Maybe even before, is- yeah. Well, happy to be back. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, I was like, well, I have to reach out to the the woman who was, you know, ma- made news, made headlines <laughs> for fangirling so hard over Galadriel from Rings of Power that she got to meet Galadriel. So I was like, gotta reach out to her. Am, am I a fake fan for not even choosing Galadriel? I was as kind my- of like, ooh, maybe she'll choose Galadriel. Well, at first I was nervous. I was like, oh no, what if like, because I did open it up to include the women of the Silmarillion because otherwise mm-hmm. this would be a very short episode mm-hmm. um just about like Eowyn and Galadriel and then like yeah. a few little mentions maybe for Arwen but like yeah. other than that who else <laughs> are we gonna talk about from yeah. <laughs> um I was kind of worried I was like oh no are people gonna choose Galadriel are people gonna choose Eowyn mm-hmm. and I was so glad that you chose Eowyn so well I guess I think you had said um you weren't opening it up to Rings of Power. So in my head, that was like sort of excluding Galadriel. I mean, I guess it's all like part of her story, but I was like sort of thinking that that was, I was like, oh, well. Yeah, I did kind of specify, I was like, I am sticking to just like the Tolkien created women. Mm -hmm. So that some of the, since Rings of Power came in with some original characters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if I were to tell you to pick a woman in the world of Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth, you know, pick someone who you're just like excited to talk about. Uh, you picked Aowen. Mm-hmm. Why? What was it that you're like? I'm doing Aowen. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like it's obvious that she's like a feminist icon, <laughs> a, like a fantasy. Yeah, like she is truly that bitch when it comes to like amazing women in fantasy. I was sort of, you know, while I, I've been pondering on it, um, while I think Tolkien does this with, like, all of his female characters, like, there's that many, but, like, I think um, he does a great job of, like, retaining their femininity yes, and, like, yeah. having, they all have sort of these qualities of, like, being feminine and having softness, but I think particularly A, when, you know, her readiness to go to battle and, like, disguise herself as a man and like she sort of has that duality of like she's still got her feminine qualities but she's also like not afraid to embrace like the more masculine part of her Mm -hmm. essence um and i just like i just love her for that she's yes (laughs) yeah we love it 
with the rest of them. <laughs> yeah, it is really nice to see. Uh, I talked about this with one of the other guests on this episode that sometimes in uh, like action movies or, or whatever, when mm-hmm. they want to put in a quote unquote strong female character, yep. sometimes it's like, it goes a little bit too far into being mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're feminist, woman power, yeah. all the stuff. And it gets very like one-sided and it's very yeah. much like one note, like, oh, she's not like the other bo- other girls, yes. you know? like Yeah. And it feels like that thing in media where it's like the strong female character is has lost her, or not lost her femininity. And there's nothing wrong with being like, a not feminine strong person but I think we're talking about like in media how that is sort of represented and um yeah I just I like that she's still got that and it's I don't know it just like having that feminine essence is just it's just like refreshing it's almost like Tolkien was a little bit ahead of his time Mm -hmm. or is it not and I I don't know I guess I know know. in some cases it's like he he was ahead of his time in so much of what he did I think Mm -hmm. and in other cases unintentionally almost yeah yeah it's the the kind of thing where I'm like I don't think he set out to be like yeah I'm gonna write this badass chick who's feminine and has a sword like yeah I, I I think he was just doing it so unintentionally because uh, just from what I know about his life, I think Mm -hmm. he was surrounded by a lot of really strong yet soft women Mm -hmm. in his Mm -hmm. life, you know? Um, And he took, as we see in a lot of other stuff from Lord of the Rings, uh, a lot of it is like inspired by his own life, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I can totally see why he would choose to write women that way unintentionally being yeah I mean I guess and that is just like a product of the time it's not like women in that time were like no one was being strong in that way so it's almost like it went so far over like where we're at now it's like you can only show a strong female character if like it's way and you know what it is it's because right now I feel like it's very pandering to a male audience because men don't Mm. take women seriously unless they don't unless they don't have feminine qualities yes and so it's like he inadvertently (laughs) sort of like subverted that like he couldn't have expected it to go so far in the opposite direction that now it sort of like hits right in the middle where it's like it's nice to see like a a strong but also feminine and like all of his characters are like that so again I don't think he was like setting out to like write yeah. this kind of but person. But it's nice but... that it happened that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, I've been working my way through the Witcher books, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a lot to be said, obviously, about like a fantasy novel written by a, a man in. I, I think he wrote them in like the 80s or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I should look that up. But like you know, written by a straight man, fantasy of you know bygone days. Um, But there was like this one story about Geralt helping someone who had fallen in love with a mermaid and he wanted to like take the mermaid home Mm -hmm. and Geralt was 
like translating back and forth. And she and the mermaid was like, no, I'm not giving up my tail for him. He can come live in the ocean with me. And Geralt is like, she said, no, she doesn't <laughs> consent. <laughs> and, then the, oh, and then the Duke that he's that hired him is like, well, then I'm going to capture her and put her in a pool until she gives up. And Geralt is like, that's a bad idea uh, <laughs> for a variety of reasons. <laughs> and so it's the kind of thing where it's like, I don't think this guy set out to write this story about, you know, yeah. like feminism, but it's mm-hmm. nice that it didn't end terribly, you know? Yeah. What, you know, could be a lot worse. Could be a lot worse. For a story with only three women that yes. talk, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got like the best that we could hope for from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the bar's low. So yeah. we're willing to accept it. <laughs> so it's it. like, yeah. woo, it's like sailed right over it. Just- yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I am in, uh, enjoying about doing this special episode is that even though the female characters are, you know, far and few between they're still mm-hmm. really like top-notch so quality good. characters yes like genuinely great characters yeah love him for that yes um what are some of your favorite traits about aon what's uh so, you know something about her character and what she does um and what she stands for that that is compelling to you i do i love again just like her willingness to not just lay down and like accept her fate in this Mm -hmm. world that's crumbling around her like she's like no i'm gonna i'm not just gonna go sit with the women and the children in the you know in the basement like i want to get out there i want to fight for my people and for my country which is i think very admirable (laughs) and i i love how compassionate she hit she is and i think that is seen by her community just in general, but I think we really see it with her relationship with Mary. And because I think mm-hmm. they're sort of in the same boat, like she wants to fight for her people in her country. And now Mary is in this position where he's like, oh, this is real. And like, I want to fight for the Shire and like for my friends and stuff. And nobody takes him seriously. Yeah. And she's yeah. the only one that's like, you know, and, and they're sort of in it for different, not in it for different reasons, but they're sort of feeling this way for different reasons. Her, because people aren't taking her seriously as a warrior because she's a woman and Mary because of his size. And they don't think that he has any value in battle. And so her empathy towards him and her compassion to his desire to want to help. um, Mm -hmm. And like, I just love the way that they, they team up and are both able to like fulfill that for themselves. And then of course, because of that, you know, that ability in her to be able to connect with Mary and mm-hmm. for them to, you know, form a relationship and to trust each other. Because of that, they then go on to defeat the Witch King together. Yes, and it's I know. so incredible. Some like deep, complicated lore history behind that, uh, that I just recently learned that blew my mind. And I was like, there's no Is way this the Tolkien intent. No, it's oh. uh, so Mary. Uh, it has to do with the the sword that he has. Oh, that okay. he uses to stab the Witch King. Okay, so way back when Aragorn's great 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 granddaddies were alive and like fighting, you know, rangering mm-hmm. whatever off <laughs> in in that area of Middle Earth, there were battles against the Witch King. And at one point, a bunch of those people died and were buried on, uh, oh, shoot, what's it called? Uh, the, the Barrow Downs. Mm-hmm. And they're buried there. And then the Witch King or some of the Nazgul or something, whatever, they go over and they basically like put a curse on it. Mm. Um, and that is where 
in Fellowship of the Ring, Mary and the, the Hobbits have like a a brief little stopover into the old forest with Tom Bombadil. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get captured by these like cursed beings in uh, the Barrow Downs mm-hmm. and they get their swords. Mm-hmm. And those swords were specifically made for fighting against Sauron's like forces of darkness way back when. And so the reason that Mary's uh, it, it, Mary is able to like inflict yeah some mm. amount of damage for Eowyn then to, you know, go in with the uh-huh. killing blow um, is because his sword that he had was specifically made for fighting the Witch King. Lauren's okay. having an aneurysm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am endlessly impressed with it's how so con- deep yeah. Tolkien's lore goes. I really it's am. It's <laughs> very convoluted. And sometimes I'm like, no. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, obviously no he made that, like, obviously he made it up, you know? Yeah. Like, that's the whole yeah. thing. But I'm like, no, there's no way there's that no works way. out. But, um, but anyway, yeah, it, it leads to them, Eowyn being able to connect with him and then they're able to take down the witch king together it's really yeah it's a really obviously powerful moment it's a kind of thing that um is is especially in the movie and Mm. with like modern day tropes and stuff it's very corny uh when she you know i am no man and then screams is it Oh, we're calling it corny now. It's corny. It's corny. <laughs> Come on. I don't agree. <laughs> I think, I think it's, some of it's corny, but obviously I appreciate the heart of the of the of the scene. I think it's all it only comes off as corny to me because like at this point now there have been so many other forms of like the reveal. Like, like, yeah, uh, of like mm-hmm. oh like that that one scene in Avengers Endgame when uh like all of the women superheroes got together mm. and they're like she's not alone and then it was like mm. so to me, to me that moment is a little corny it doesn't i don't think it takes away from the power of that moment mm-hmm. um i am sorry if i hurt your feelings by calling it I but i do think i get why again (laughs) no i get why they did it like uh i mean not that her delivery in the book is worse but you know the no living man no living man am i and she you know she's got a little bit more of like not a monologue but she's got like a few lines that she says before and that would have I, I think if that was in movie format, you'd be like, why isn't he just like killing her? It just yeah. needs to, yeah, it just needs to be <laughs> Yeah, it's just quicker, like, it, yeah. she needs to like say, she needs a bit, bit more of a zippy line to deliver here. Yeah, I am no man. Absolutely awesome. You fool. No man can kill me. Die now. I am no man. I have tried. I'm not an art. I'm not an artist. Um, but I have tried to make a sticker, and it's just a silhouette of her, like stabbing the yes. witch king, and it just says uh-huh. "Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss." <laughs> I would like the first run of that, please. It, it doesn't any inter- any iteration of of what I just tried to describe to you has not turned out well like it all looks oh. terrible and i'm like oh that's right i can't do it i can't do art <laughs> i remember now but the sentiment is there i get i get what you're going for <laughs> uh something uh 
else I think that's worth talking about, too, is Eowyn and her relationship with Faramir. Mm-hmm. Read, reading the book, and, and I, I would say more, it's definitely more in the movies that they're like, ooh, we're going to hint at this mm-hmm. love interest between her and Aragorn. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to pair them together like in any yeah. other kind of uh, movie or book or something. Aragorn mm-hmm. and Eowyn would be, it's like, oh yeah, warrior guy and warrior yeah. girl, like they're mm-hmm. going to be together. But Faramir is like the only person who really deserves her and also mm-hmm. vice versa because yeah. they both have such gentleness within them as mm-hmm. well Yeah, that, uh, that they are like bringing out the best qualities in each other whereas I feel like uh, with like Eowyn and Aragorn, it would just be like stoking the flames the whole right. time, and like that's not healthy in the. What long would they term. talk about? Like, imagine <laughs> them like having conversations. It's it awkward. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've touched on a lot of great stuff about Eowyn. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Was there uh, a quote about her, or something that she says, or anything you want to bring up? Uh-huh. I do have to say, um, one of my favorite quotes in lord of the rings is her line when she says the women of this country learned long ago those without swords can still die upon them and i think that is like such a good line Mm -hmm. and i love that she says it and i feel like that will always be relevant like there's always something i mean hopefully not forever but like it's just that feeling of like, we have to fight for ourselves. Like, it doesn't matter if we have something or if we don't, like, we are we are always going to be subject mm-hmm. to like, just kind of sticking up for ourselves. And like, if, if women or marginalized people in general, if we want something, we got to go be the ones that take it because whether we have it or not, like it can be, you know, mm-hmm. um, pain or w- whatever it is can be inflicted upon us. Um and I just think I was like, it's so beautifully written too. I just think it's like such a such a good line. Mm-hmm. You've some skill with a blade. The women of this country learned long ago. Those without swords can still die upon them. I fear neither death nor pain. What do you fear, my lady? cage to stay behind bars until youth and old age accept them and all chance of valor has gone beyond recall or desire um and i think it says so much too about like the history of rohan and i think it says a lot about like her connection to her country and stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um Earlier, you were talking about, like, the reasons for why she chooses to, you know, disguise herself and go fight. And I think another one of those reasons is also, like, fighting for her people mm-hmm. and fighting, yeah. you know, to defend her Her parents died when she was mm-hmm. a child. And Theoden raised, essentially raised her and Aomer, mm-hmm. uh, like, his own children. And so a lot of her family is connected, like, directly to, like, the family that yeah. she has left now is connected to like the country as a whole Mm -hmm. and so i think it's great to see that like she also has this immense care for her people and like wanting to 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 fight for them be a part of this fight and be able Mm -hmm. to say like 
you know, later down the road, be like, yeah, I, I, I didn't just sit back and watch. Mm-hmm. Like I got in there and I, I did my part. Yeah. I did what I was able to. Because if the good guys lose, like what then? Like, yeah, you're all gonna die. So her willingness to just be like, well, if we're all gonna die, I'm at least gonna die fighting. Yeah. And like she's not afraid to do that. And... I'm gonna die a hero alongside this right tiny little man. But alongside all of these people that are willing to die for and us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on and, and chatting about our homegirl Aowen. Yeah. Love her. Love her forever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh where can people find you on the internet and what or what are you up to? Anything exciting going on that people should oh. check out? Um, I'm Lauren Does Cosplay pretty much everywhere. Um, what am I working on? I'm not, I'm not working on anything Lord of Things related. I'm actually working on... We were talking about The Witcher, so it's still relevant. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I've been seeing you, like, posting, like, uh, you know, little videos and updates and stuff that you're working on a, a Yennefer um, costume. Yeah, I'm working on my Yennefer. Dope. I'm almost done with it, so... It's like not quite Ren Fair season. It's not quite con season. I feel mm. like I'm in, like, limbo waiting for summer to get here, so, like, things are happening, but... Yeah, but I'm always like making something. So uh, I just saw the TikTok that you posted and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And then I went and checked in the comments and it was like, I just spent an hour editing this and accidentally hit post. So I want to let you know, I thought it was a great video Thanks. and I never would have been like, oh, she <laughs> accidentally posted this, but I feel oh, your pain. That was because you know how like the next button oh my is God, like yes. at the bottom. I was like, I was just trying to go, I was like editing the all the words so I was trying to do like next and then back so I could get back to the beginning of the video and it's it like glitched and I hit post I was like <laughs> I mean I was like almost done but it was just annoying it's like I hadn't yeah. done a caption or like like have you ever accidentally annoying. posted something to your story instead of posting it yeah that one why me. is this why is the story feature even on TikTok does anybody use that anymore I feel like everyone tried it for like a month and then they were like okay I'll, I'll use it every now and then if there's like a filter that everyone's using mm. and I just want to do something like really quick but I don't <laughs> right, want like to I don't want to make final. a full post yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. or like you know something stupid uh mm-hmm. you know but yeah, like something silly goofy yeah so just for yeah. like the silly goofy <laughs> stuff but yeah I say that like the rest of my TikTok is super serious <laughs> yeah content. we've got very serious pages so you know you gotta <laughs> save the good stuff for the real <laughs> yeah and now I'm joined by the wonderful Andy of Tolkien with Friends, fellow Tolkien pun podcaster. Love to see it. It's the only way to do it. It's the only way. <laughs> um, this is the way. This that, is that's the way. A, uh, I, I'm, on, I'm only on Mandalorian TikTok because it is a intersection with Pedro Pascal yeah. TikTok. So. Mm. That's the only thing I know. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the Mandalorian or Star Wars or Pedro Pascal, sadly. Oh, maybe next time. <laughs> um, although, shout out, uh, I do know there's a podcast out there. I'm pretty sure it's called Pedro Padro Pascal or like Pedro Podscal. Oh my or something. god! And they're doing like the they're going through the works of of Pedro Pascal. So wow, that's amazing. Mad respect. Okay. Anyway, we're talking. Well, we're about- not talking about men. We're not talking about men today. Screw men. Gross. <laughs> Ew. What are they even doing in this universe? Um, we're continuing our conversation about the women of Middle Earth. And when I reached out to Andy, I did. I want to specify that I did make it clear that the Silmarillion was open as well. And you still chose a woman from Lord of the Rings. And we've already talked about Galadriel. We've already talked about Eowyn. And aside from like some other 
side characters, you know, it's like th- there's not that much. You know, mm-hmm. it gets slim pickings mm-hmm. once you get after Eowyn and Galadriel and I guess Arwen. Yeah. But she's not really existed in the books too much either. Yeah. And you picked like like a home run Ireth. <laughs> Who is this this w- random woman who shows up? Uh, you're you know you've just read the, these intense chapters of Return of the King. You've read the Siege of Gondor, the Pyre of Denethor, the Battle of Pelennor Fields, and then we go into the Houses of the Healing to recover. And this wonderful woman comes to us. Yes. So okay. So Iorath, she we don't know a lot about her, but. It doesn't make her any less lovable. Yes. And oh my gosh. Love her. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're unfamiliar, uh, she's the eldest woman that serves in the Houses of Healing. You know, one of the uh, people that attends to uh, whoever comes in who, who is wounded, needs is sick, uh, and needs um, like a hospital stay, basically. And she is the eldest... Um, she makes a reference to maybe growing up in Imloth Malui, which I honestly cannot totally tell you where that even is, but there it's are a, it's roses in there. Gondor. Yeah. It's in Gondor. It's in Gondor somewhere, Gondor. right? I'm yeah. assuming. It's, def- it's definitely in Gondor somewhere, um, but it doesn't even matter and I, because I think that the, the real joy of this character is how she... You know, it's it's been really serious, and she comes in, and it's it's kind of a taste of like maybe the differences in like what is up with Gondor. You know what I mean? She's one of the only. You know, we meet Baragond, who is a captain of the guard. We meet his kid, uh, Burgil, and he's you know cute. Uh, and then she, you know she kind of provides another flavor for what people in Gondor you ca- are yeah, like. Yeah, you kind of get this. Yeah, you get more perspective about like what is the everyday like we know what the steward of Gondor thinks and we know what the king of Gondor and we know what you know the the steward's two sons are like but what are these like everyday people like you know mm-hmm. and you know it, I mean so if you're unfamiliar with her character you know she comes in and she kind of helps move things along in like unexpected ways so it, at, the, at the point that she's introduced Faramir like is still has a really bad fever and they can't figure out how to um, get it down, and she makes a comment, um, would that there were kings in Gondor as there were once upon a time, they say, for it is said in old lore, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer, and so the rightful king could ever be known, and Gandalf is, like, hang, hanging Funny out. Funny you mention that. <laughs> yeah, he's, like, May people remember you, man. Like that was he was like that is correct, and we've got one. And so he goes and gets Aragorn, who is therefore able to. He's been being like such a good boy because he's like he's so noble to his own, you know, morals that he's like it's not proper for me to set foot in Minas Tirith Mm -hmm. uh, to return to Minas Tirith under these circumstances. I'm going to chill outside and you guys And he doesn't know that Denethor is you know so like so he's like hey I don't want to step on any toes like I don't want anyone to make the assumption that I am 
coming like, in here to no, claim we it. We need you to step on toes. Yeah. We need you to. We need these assumptions happening. Yeah, he's he's such a good. We're not talking about the men. No. Sorry. So, but Back he but he comes and he's able to heal. You know, not only Faramir, Eowyn, and Mary, who have been, you know, ha- kind of had like the most severe, but he's able to heal a lot of other people. Um, and when after he does that, you know, Faramir, when he wakes up, he refers to him as king. You know, Faramir is like, I know you, and this is the point where she's like oh king she's like did you hear that i knew i knew <laughs> what did i tell yes, you exactly she's like, what did i say um also i i also have my copy of the book open too because i remember i distinctly remember reading this for the first time and having these like little reactions to Irith and being mm-hmm. like wait she's funny she's, she's hilarious and she is so you know we've had such a rough time and everyone has been so serious you know what I mean and so then she comes and like there were some moments of you know lightness when Pippin was just kind of exploring Minas Tirith but we haven't had a lot of that and then she it's comes been real in depressing. Yeah, yeah and then she comes in and you know she's just doing her best you know, she's yes. like, you know, she's like, I don't yes. know anything about all this war. I'm just trying to heal people. She's like, like, our leader just set himself on fire. It's it's been hard. When she when Gandalf says to her, like, oh, that's a great idea. That thing about the king. Good thing we have one just outside. She uh, haven't you heard the the strange, you know, tidings of the king? And she says, I have been too busy with this and that to heed all the crying and shouting. She's like. I'm not paying attention to what's going. I'm I'm doing my own thing. I'd be like, do you see this house full of people that are dying? Uh, kind of busy, you know. She's like, I've been a little preoccupied. Yeah, like <laughs> there's a there's like a war. Uh, like, yeah. which Gandalf fully, you know what I mean? Um, but he's, you know, he goes off and d- does his own thing. And then when Aragorn comes back, you know, he starts asking for Athelas, which, um, we know has helped out our boys in the fellowship a couple of times. Um, and it's at this point, like, she know after he calls it Kingsfoil, he, she realizes what, uh, he's talking about. And you, you start to kind of get, um, a sense of how much she likes to talk here uh which i think is great i mean i totally related to that a lot sometimes you just get on a spiel you know um and she's like why i've never heard that it had any great virtue and indeed i've often said to my sisters uh when we came upon it growing in the woods kingsfoil i said tis a strange name and i wonder why it is called so called so for if i was were a king i would have plant uh, plants more bright in my garden still it smells uh sweet when bruised does it not if sweet is the right word uh wholesome maybe <laughs> is nearer uh yeah, she's just going off about like what she would plant in her garden but and, and aragorn's like that's great uh, okay but then he gets <laughs> to the lore master and you know what's funny is that i was you know just to kind of get my ducks in a row i just checked the the tolkien gateway to see if they had found any other snippets um about her and there really wasn't it's really just this passage or this piece in houses of healing and then again and the steward and the king uh around aragorn's coronation but there was a line that they put in there that she is talkative and because of that, Gandalf and Aragorn are annoyed with her. And I'm like, there is no evidence that they were ever annoyed with Yeah, that's Iorith. a full uh, they were, like reader interpretation thing right They were fully there. annoyed with her boss. And so it's just interesting to me that somebody saw that and then, like, 
translated it as them being annoyed with her. With this, like, talkative woman, yeah. And I was like... (coughs) Who they are turning to in this time. Like, they are looking to her for her, you know, local knowledge. Yeah, and even when they go to get Aragorn, Gandalf goes to get Aragorn, and they're like... He, they don't immediately let him into the city, even. And he's like, uh, you know, as your wise woman, Eorath, said, you know what I mean? Like, they, he, Gandalf respects her and appreciates her for her contributions and is never annoyed by her. They do both make fun of her boss, the herb lore master or whatever, or herb master, who, you know, gives all these different names for Athelash, but, like, doesn't know that it's amazing and all the virtues of it and you know the healing it can do and you know gandalf and aragorn makes fun of him later to like marry and pippin uh but gandalf is just straight up like shut up dude get us the get us the herb you know (laughs) this is kind of important we need this thing yeah Yeah. so i just thought that was crazy like i was like what i was like seriously and then i i I was reading and i was like there is no evidence of this she is Mm -hmm. A queen. Yeah, because Tolkien, uh, when you're reading it, there's no... In a modern day book, you would read it as like, Irith said, and like there would be more descriptors about her character, about her mood, about her tone. Like, yeah, she's talking about like, still it smells sweet when bruised, does it not? If sweet is the right word, wholesome maybe is nearer. Wholesome, verily, said Aragorn. And now, but if it was a modern book, the author might put in like, Wholesome, verily, said Aragorn quickly, trying to get her to finish her point. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, if that's what he was going for, you right. know, that's like what... So, but Tolkien, it literally just says, said Aragorn, said Irith. So it is up to... A lot of people don't like to hear it, but a lot of Tolkien is up to interpretation because there's a lot that is left to the imagination when you're when you're reading it and being like, how are these characters interacting? How are they, you know... Yeah. perceiving each other and reacting to each other yeah I, I just think it's more clear from like what they actually say about her that she's like a competent person in yeah. her job and then they make fun of her boss who is just like you know he's like way up here with it like he wants to talk about like the all the very oh he's like oh you know all the names that's so cool i mean it's very like dude from reddit is it not like oh it's actually yeah called. he shows yeah he shows up later and he's like going on and on about the different names and whatever it's called and aragorn says i care not whether you say now Asaya aror aronian or king's foil so he's like i don't care whatever you're calling it mm-hmm. you know just give it to me mm-hmm. like and then later he makes fun of that to like mary and pippin when they're like feeling a little bit better and he's yeah. like I don't know. I think Mary's trying to ask him to go get his tobacco, and he's like, uh, no. Um, but yeah, he makes a, he makes fun of him, and it's, it's definitely not Eorath that he's making fun of. Just for the record, you know? (laughs) So we see her again, you know, of course, when Aragorn is getting his coronation, or when it, it's all happening and she's kind of like explaining right, I about that part <laughs> yeah she's like explaining to her kinswoman um about hobbits and stuff uh and because you know they all come at first it's, it's like when they all arrive to the city and they're all pretty much ready to like 
big stepped Aragorn as their king. And so she's like, oh, yeah, those are the Perinath. Uh, like, I actually tended to some of them in the houses of healing. Um, and she gets interrupted by the ceremony. I mean, she's it's very, like, she's very real in that, you know, there's always somebody, like, talking in a crowd like that. And she's kind of trying to show, like, off a little bit to her friend. Like, oh, yeah, I already know what that is. Da, 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 da. And... I mean, I think she loves being right, as you can see when Faramir calls her Aragorn king, and she's like, ugh. She's like, and and you know it. And we also, there's, it's also kind of implied that she kind of spreads the word that the king is back. Um, and, cause it says, and soon the word had come, gone out from the house, house that the king was indeed come, uh, among them, um, and was ran through the city. So the, the rumor starts with her, uh, which I think is adorable. Yes. When it's, like, the actual ceremony point, and, she, like, they are... The whole city kind of has to agree to let Aragorn in to Minas Tirith, right? And so they're all like, hey, you know, like, do you agree? And everyone's like, yeah! And then she turns to her kinswoman, and it's it like, this is just ceremony, uh, such as we have in the city, cousin, for he has already entered, as I was telling you. Uh, and he said to me... And then she's, like, has to, she's interrupted again because Faramir, you know, actually starts I... the ceremony. <laughs> It's so funny to me that she's just like, you know, she's living her life. She's doing her thing. She's talking to I, I can see how in oh, especially if you're looking at it through like a male gaze mm-hmm. that some people would be like, she's just like the town gossip. She's like a busybody, you know, yeah. but like in this kind of a situation where like they don't have cell phones and the Internet and. Uh, Like, they don't have, like, these certain forms of communication and stuff. These types of societies thrive on people like Irith, who Mm -hmm. are talkative and the quote-unquote busybodies, because they're the ones, exactly like you said, that she is the one who starts talking about, like, oh, my God, the king is in the houses of the healing right now, healing our people. Like, the king is returned. Mm -hmm. This is for real. This is not a rumor. I'm seeing it with my own eyes. And, like, yes. people know her and trust her. She really moves along a lot of the the work that, like, a PR agency would probably have done for Aragorn in this situation. She's Ar- Aragorn's PR agent. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, not only does she, like, her comments spring Gandalf into action and ultimately kind of saves Faramir, yeah. who they all <clears throat> love so, so much. And, uh, again, that it's the kind of wisdom that they need an insight that they needed from someone like her. Yes. Like someone like Boromir or Faramir or Denethor or, I mean, like maybe Aragorn would have known this thing, but like that's because he's like the king. Mm -hmm. Maybe he would have like known, you know, this saying or this story or whatever it, it comes from. Right. But like this is the kind of thing that women would talk about you know, like tra- in like traditional settings amongst each other and like at the market and, you know, whatever. And like this like piece of folklore would pass down from person to person specifically because of the talkative busy, you know, town busy. And it really it goes back to a lot of things that we like themes that we see from Tolkien is that it's not it's the people that are doing the everyday work that are the real heroes. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. the way the hobbits in the fellowship were able to unexpectedly you know, move things along in ways that nobody really expected. You know, she, of course, she's doing her job and she's doing it well and in keeping people well. But the way that she is able, she's just, you know, more attentive and she is aware of 
um, all these other things that are dismissed by these men in her life that actually is the thing that keeps uh, some of the, the biggest players alive. And ultimately, her, like, telling people about Aragorn doing that and, like, it's spreading throughout the city, that lays the groundwork for them to be able to accept him as king rather than, like, if he had just walked in and been like, all right, everybody, who's ready for Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, that would have been like, "Mm, okay, what is this? Like, who who are you? But, like, you know, (laughs) just, like, kind of priming them for, you know, what type of leader he is going to be. Yeah. And also, it's... It's also just worth mentioning that it's such a powerful idea that someone like Aragorn, who's this manly man, and he's a ranger, and he's the king, but he's also doing, like, work of a healer, and he is doing these things that, like, typically women do, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, the the role of a healer in healing people is typically, you know, in fantasy, it's... I would say, like, commonly a woman doing that kind of a work, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, it's really... Yeah, great like, the to nurturing these... thing. Is, exactly. We, yeah. we constantly attribute that to only women or femme characters and, you know, even people, right? Like, you st- I mean, I'm not going to go into it, but we still hear sometimes people acting yeah. like nurses, ladies, teachers, ladies. And it's like, no, obviously not. It's like men can be nurturing and caring for yeah. other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and no less for it. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. And and you know, Irith is seeing the king doing these things that she herself does, and it's equally as important as leading a nation, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, that that that's our girl Irith. Was there uh any I feel like we we kind of like talked about, you know, her major points. Again, she she makes like a very minor appearance in the book. She uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, who the F is Ira? It's a standout performance, truly. She did not make it into the movies, which, like, I understand it's uh, her kind of a character. I mean, the Houses of Healing is really only in the extended. It's like a 30-second, yep. like, scene in the extended edition. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it would be really fun for, like, a TV show adaptation and then like then you can have her come in and be like the comedic relief there you know are, add a little bit of levity to it I've been and, thinking about that especially with all this like they're gonna reboot Twilight and the series that may not be named you know what yes. I mean I'm like I was like these were all so recent like we don't usually have reboots right after that do we and I was like you know what you know what they should be doing? Like, you know, I think a lot of people don't even want to think about, like, revisiting this particular story because we love what Peter Jackson did so much. But there is so much there that would be such a fun TV show. Like, we would yeah. get to stay in the Shire more and, like, get to see Hobbits just doing their thing. And, like, there's, I, like... I want to see a TV show adaptation of Lord of the Rings. But mm-hmm. each episode is from the perspective of, like, a minor character yes. in the background. Yes. And so like the first episode is not from the perspective of Bilbo. It's from the perspective of like Lobelia Saxville Baggins. The second episode. Are you, you going to talk about Lobelia? The second. Uh, no, I don't think. Uh, no, no one's pick, uh, talked about her. <laughs> Poor but girl. She also cracks me up. I love her. I mean, she has. I mean, of all the character of all the character arcs, she probably has one of the most dramatic. That's right. Oh, I forget because. Yeah. She comes you know, around in the end. I she's mean, all sassy and, you know, kind of like gossipy and whatever at the beginning. 
But at the end, when they come back and the the reckoning of the Shire is happening and you find out that Lobelia is like in jail and she's like been beating people up with like an umbrella or something. Yeah. And like her okay. and Frodo are able to like mend that relationship, you know, because there was always like so much resentment over like the bag end and like Bilbo's wealth. They're like stuff. family relations. Yeah. yeah. And it just makes me think about how like when your life is really just kind of constrained to like one thing or you know what I mean like they were just not interested in the outside world that was like the the hobbit thing to do right like you just kind of worry about family stuff and it's like you can kind of get caught up in it but then when you have this kind of like kick you know like their their whole world was kind of turned upside down and the way that she stepped up even when it was her son that was kind of like getting messed with by Saruman early on you know and she the way that she stands up for you know just like against yeah all all the craziness yeah yeah when you know they're living in this bubble of the shire which allows them to you know they're they have like innocence about Mm -hmm. how they live their life and so they're able to things like you know town gossip and Mm -hmm. you know family you know family messiness Mm -hmm. is something that they they like have the privilege to spend their time and attention on but when these like outside forces come in that's when you know it kind of like puts things into perspective for them and they're like oh there's actually a lot uh more terrible things happening than me not getting the family heirloom spoons Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's just i think it's really nice i think she's i mean she's silly and kind of funny but ultimately like she comes around and it it's you know we're family and they they meant it which i think is really cool and people respect her more for it you know they kind of thought that she was kind of a grump yeah she was yeah she was annoying people didn't yeah she was like the town crank you Mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. uh bilbo famously like you that's one of my favorite things is that like bilbo comes back to the shire with the one ring and he most often uses it to hide from his relatives Sauron's like all powerfulness and evil raining down upon all of Middle Earth, and Bilbo's like, "Oh no, someone knocked He's on the like, door." I am introverted today. <laughs> this is, I think, the the hobbits are like catching up on what's happened, and someone says that she starts like fighting with who they call Sharky. Mm-hmm. Again, is that Saruman or is that just a random leader? I can't That's remember. Saruman. That's Saruman. Oh, okay, That's yeah. the orcish. Saruman thinks it's a cute nickname they have for him, but it means old man. Right. They're like making fun of him to his face. Yeah. So (laughs) she's like yelling at him. And then uh, it says, let's see, says she, I'll give you Sharky, you dirty thieving ruffians, says she, and ups with her umbrella and goes for the leader near twice her size. So they took her, dragged her off to the lock holes at her age too. Yeah, so they, she like fully got up in the fight. She was like, you know what, when it comes down to it, like I have my morals and my like loyalties to my people Mm -hmm. here, not, you know. You and I love when they break her out of jail. It says, um, you know, there then there was Lobelia, poor thing. She looked very old and thin when they rescued her from a dark and narrow cell. She insisted on hobbling out on her own feet, and she had such a welcome, and there was such clapping and cheering when she appeared, leaning on Frodo's arm but still clutching her umbrella, that she was quite touched and drove away in tears. She had never in her life been popular before. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh. Precious. That's so funny. 
Good for her. Love it. Love it. Um, so I guess we did talk about Lobelia. So that's our little ditty on Lobelia. Two for one. Two for one when Andy comes on the podcast. Um, thank you so much for joining me. What are you, what do you have going on right now? Where should the people find you on the internet? Oh, right. That is important. Uh, so we are, uh, on Tolkien with friends, my podcast, we're currently doing a comparison of the Hobbit. Uh, we are doing chapter by chapter comparing, you know, the books and the movies. Um, it has been a ride. And, uh, you know, you can find us on YouTube at Tolkien with Friends now. So that's fun. Um, as well as Instagram and Twitter. Or you can find all the links at TolkienWithFriends.com. And, you know, stop by. Give us a listen. Yeah, I uh, was on. It'll be out, I think, you know, coming up yep. later on. But I was on for the Queer Lodgings chapter uh, with our homeboy, Bayorn. yeah. The bear man I love him. himself. Um, <laughs> my so, <guy>. yeah, <laughs> go check that out. Uh, if you want it, if you want more like Hobbit content now that, you know, we're like, it, it's sometimes really fun to go all the way back to like where it started mm-hmm. with Tolkien, you know, I, I find that's why like I, I find myself more kind of drawn to the Hobbit. Yeah. Because for me, it's like, wow, it's look like at my what comfort you book. started. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's like, really you know, when you have, you have like such this huge world um, and there's so many different things that you can learn about. But the thing that is like not captured in any of his other, in some of his other children's works, yes, but in the rest of Middle Earth, uh, the Hobbit is really just a standout because it's so whimsical it's like the fairy tale of all of it you know what i mean um mm-hmm. and it, it's whimsical it's a little bit silly i think we get to see another side of gandalf that i really like and uh yeah it's just it's just a nice easy peasy read you know and i i love bilbo so it's fun to hang out with him yeah definitely that's what i'm talking about's cover art is by vaishan brandon you can support him on instagram at vaishan designs you can get merch for That's What I'm Talking About by going to tpublic.com slash user slash pod. Now, unfortunately, there are no AON Gaslight Gatekeep Girl Boss Stabbing the Witch King stickers, but there is still other wonderful merch for you to show off your love of Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. You can follow the podcast on social media at TolkienAboutPod, and you can find me on Twitter and TikTok at MCWhatsUp and on Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. If you want to support the podcast, you can become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash TolkienAboutPod to explore the different levels of support that are available. If you join any level of, of becoming a patron, of showing your support, you will get access to a monthly newsletter. And this month's newsletter, I say this, what the heck? It's the end of April. Oh no, I have to write, I have to write, what's the next month? May's newsletter. Oh dear. Oh my, I'm speaking like Winnie the Pooh. Um, Okay, so this is news to me. It's the end of the month. Time passes. Anyway, if you sign up and become a patron, you will get access to a newsletter, which has exciting announcements about the future of this podcast, by the way. Or you can become a sponsor of the podcast like Susan. Susan, thank you so much for your support of That's What I'm Talking About. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. As always, if you like what you're listening to, please make sure to rate and review. Like I said, this was a very fun 
wonderful special episode for me to work on. It was really great to get to put some time and energy into it and to get to talk to these wonderful ladies about the wonderful ladies of Middle Earth. So if you like this episode as well, please make sure to show it in those ratings on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and wherever else you are listening to this podcast. Andy, thanks again for coming on. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Don't sleep on our little side characters. Sometimes they're the movers and the shakers, you know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm (laughs) talking about.